Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. What we want to talk about today is this is the family that God is gathering together called the church, his body, right? And so when I was taking on this sermon, I was like, man, this is going to be great to preach. And and in all honestly, in all honesty, it became um, it became really grievous. And I actually don't think I really got a hold of it until this morning because I kept saying, God, why is this sermon so grievous as I'm trying to, like, pull it together and bring it together? And it's just like my heart has been heavy. And so at a crazy week, I met the president of the United States, you know, nothing big, you know, just a little slight, you know, whatever, you know. And so I got to meet the president of the United States or whatever. And so a bunch of students we work with from Lehigh School, we were able to get, um, to get in in the back room and meet them. So I put up a post where I talk about us meeting with a, um, a Republican politician and then also meeting with the President of the United States. And then, you know, you know what happens next. The comments come, right? So in my heart, I'm like, all right, I need to drive over somewhere and choke somebody. But this isn't godly to do that. So I'm praying. And I said, God, how do I love on this person? And as I'm thinking about it, I'm going, God, I'm actually just as sinful as this person, and you love me by your grace. So it helped me to just go into prayer for the people I felt were attacking, so to speak, right? But then I still felt the grief. And I'm like, God, why is this sermon and this topic of the church, the family of the church, why is it so grievous? And, and I honestly, I feel like what God was speaking to me is that I feel like he was like, Jay, you all, you all are mouthing on the sermon and all that but you're not really stopping to hear me. And I felt like God was saying, my heart is broken over the church. I'm actually grieving over the church. And, and so it took me, it made me kind of step back on my text and start really going, God, what would you have me to say here? And I started like that, but sometimes you start like that, but you didn't really start like that. So I'm gonna try to take you through what I feel like God is saying or whatever, right? So last week, one of the things we talked about, Jeremy was hitting on this idea of secular humanism, right? And I've just been thinking about this all week, how we have adopted this secular humanistic concept when it comes to the church, right? We have this idea that, number one, God gives us the word, right? We all have a Bible. But we've fallen into this thinking that says we determine how this thing goes. We determine what serving God looks like. It's based on our preferences. It's based on who we want in the room. It's based on how we want the building to look. We ve- it, it's very seldom that we actually go, God, where am I called to, right? And then deal with the fact that God says, you will actually suffer on this earth, and that's a good thing for you, or you will actually be moving in these afflictions, and I'll comfort you in them, and then you can comfort other people who are going through afflictions, but it is actually not a bad part of the scenario. Am I right? But we function in America right now, in the church, as if affliction, as if suffering, as if hard times, as if the roof opening and raining during the middle of a sermon is a bad thing, which that's really happened here, all right? So I think God is grieved. I think he is grieved because this is not what the church is called to. The word paints a very, very different light when it comes to what is this family, this blood-bought family that he is bringing together, right? So we're going to walk through some things. I'm going to be all over the place when it comes to text, 
to the text today, so you can just jump around with me if you want to, but the verses will be up on the screen, right? There's a guy, um, American socialist philosopher by the name of Corliss Lamont, and he said this. He said, humanism contends that instead of the gods creating the cosmos, the cosmos is the individualized form of human beings giving reign to their imagination. In their imagination created the gods. When I read that, I'm like, man, that's absolutely crazy. He's actually saying that we actually, our imagination is actually what makes the gods, right? But when I'm reading this, I'm like, we're actually no different than this because we function with God's holy bride as if we make all the rules that go with it. And then we build a life based on those rules, which is actually a self-righteousness within ourselves, and not what he describes in this text, right? And it's absolutely crazy that we would do this. And the reason it's so crazy is because the Bible talks about God and how he is laser focused on his church with so many beautiful things, right? Let me read this to you real quick. Ephesians 1, starting at verse 15. It says, for this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That's always the question. What has he called you to? Not what you want to do, but what has he called you to, right? And it says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at this right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Now listen, I'm going to say that one more time. Listen to this right here. So this is, this is what he's done in the sun, right? It says he, he, he's, he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Get a hold of this stuff. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. To the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Do you know why that's so crazy? You know why that's so crazy? All power, all authority, God gives to his son. He puts everything up under his feet and God's focus is on his church his body. This does so many things because it annihilates this idea, and I've moved in it before too, where I'm like, we're all part of the church, whatever, you know, you come and you go, whatever you want to do. It's not what it's saying in the text. It's not what he's saying in the text. That's not true. When you go through Paul addressing everybody inside of the, the different churches inside of the New Testament, he is talking about specific local churches, he acknowledges that they're part of a global base of believers who are all joined together by the blood of Jesus Christ. But he is talking to specific churches in geographical areas, right? The local church. And everything he says about his authority that God has given him as, uh, as an apostle and as a leader of the church and as a person who is planning these churches, all his authority is in the realm of the church. 
He doesn't walk around in the streets talking to people who are non-believers saying, hey, bro, you got it's time. You, you messing up, brother. You're stumbling out the bar. It's time for church discipline. He doesn't do that because they're not a part of his church. But if it's one of the believers who proclaim Jesus Christ and they're part of his church, then it's within his power to bring church discipline because God has given them authority to do so because they are part of the church. And in God's love, he puts all of this. So think about this right here. Think about your fears and everything that you're afraid of, everything you're afraid of losing, everything that you've set up, all these false things to protect. And God is saying, fall all the way in. Because everything has put up under my feet to the glory of God on behalf of you as my children. Do you get what I'm saying? That's beautiful stuff. Let's keep on moving. His eternal promises are to the body. He says it, a measurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. That means he can't get it wrong if he tried to. His power is immeasurable. So whatever you can think of in your mind to think of a fear of why not to put yourself all the way in with God's family, he's got it handled. He sees every nook and cranny. There's nothing he misses, all right? And he's faithful. His promises are to the body, to the co-heirs, his brothers. He's making a family, his brothers and sisters, his children, right? We are blood-bought. We're his family. Ephesians 5, 29, 30 says this. It says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, nourishes it, and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. He's faithful to his church. He's faithful to it. He sees it as his own body, right? How many of y'all spent, come on, ladies, how many of y'all spent about two hours in front of the mirror putting that Mac on this morning, all right? Husbands know what it is. I see some of y'all mad because y'all got here late, all right? Let's not play. You know. All right. We must be crazy to step out on a love like this when we have blood-bought assurance of our faith. But the fact of the matter is we are. We are. We are that crazy that we can read something like that, proclaim that we believe in it, then nonchalantly handle it. And that is, the why we, that is why we only preach Jesus Christ. And that's why we preach that we are saved by grace. Because there is nothing good inside of us besides the righteousness that Jesus gives us. For us to even grab a hold of this text and to function and act like we really believe it, it's going to be through us actually getting caught up in the cross and faith in Jesus Christ. And we'll be able to grab a hold of his promises better. Not you go grab him so you can look like you love Jesus more, but you grab a hold of Jesus. And as you grab a hold of him, you grab a hold of his promises. And if you grab a hold of his promises, then you're definitely going to grab a hold of his church because his promises are to his body. Do you understand where I'm coming from? All right. We have full assurance in them. Let me read this to you. This is Hebrews 10, 19, and 25. And I'm trying to tell you you can bet the whole bank on it, everything. You can bet your life on it, which is what he requires you to do, to die to yourself, right? He says it like this in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's talking to the church. He's saying you can bet everything on it. He's saying, let us hold fast to this confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, I got questions about the church just like the next man, and I'm a pastor. But for the longest time, I always kept a distance. I was in the church, but I was like, I don't know. I've seen some stuff I don't like to see. That type of stuff. And now I'm a pastor, so now I'm in the back room sometimes and I actually see more stuff that I don't want to see, right? It has nothing to do with God's promise to us as a church. And for a long time, I walked into the immaturity. Uh, I walked in immaturity of thinking that I could let that determine my commitment to the church. And, to, and, and, and how am I going to actually cast disdain on God's bride when he is not naive that his bride is a mess, but he's still fully invested in and committed, right? So it leaves us without excuse. It leaves us without excuse, all right? God shows himself in and through his church. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Let me read this to you. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God. This is a huge part right here. Not that we have loved God. The reason that is so pivotal is because we, um, we, we've, beca- we, we've taken on this position that it's like the church has become this exclamation point on our self-righteousness. Like, I go do that. Of course I go to church. I'm good. No, you're not. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Either you're deceived and you're at war, and as the Bible would, would, would even lean it to, you're pushing, you're pushing a, doctrine of de- a doctrine of demons because you're pushing a doctrine that wars against the message of the cross, which is that unbelievers are saved by grace. We did not love him first. We did not come running to him. Anything that drew your affections towards him, it was a work of the Holy Spirit and God's masterful masterpiece of work he does with sinners by reconciling them back through God. He paid for that. Put his blood on it. Put his blood on it. It's so pivotal for us to stay right there in that place and know that. If you don't know nothing else, you need to know that one right there. You need to know that one right there. Because on days when you stumble and fall, you won't get back home if you think that you're not good enough to get there. You were never good enough to get there. You were never good enough to get there. He is good. And his blood was sufficient to always get us back home. And not only do that, to continue to sanctify our hearts. 
those low-down, dirty affections that we have that we like to keep hidden, he's not naive to that. He's not unaware. He died for that. And as you continue to go before him, he will continue to sanctify and clean your heart. There's nothing he can't handle. But it's important, that text right there, not that we have loved God. This is not about you being good. This text is not about you. This is about him, right? It's about what he did for us. It says, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then he says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So people haven't seen God, but they see us as his witness. The love of God, as we love each other, it begins to, it, it, it spills out of us, right? Last week I spoke about how we move in these afflictions and we are comforted, comforted in our affliction. And it says, so you can now take the comfort you receive in your afflictions and go lavish the people who are being afflicted with it. Do you get where I'm coming from? So the love of God is doing this thing in, in us where it creates this tidal wave even in the midst of, of our mess, right? Self-inflicted or whatever the case is. But you, but you get to go lay it on people because there's a hope you have. People who are in despair, you get to, I got good news. I got good news. It may not pay that bill for you today, but it, it, it's an eternal promise that is sure. You can bet everything on it. Do you get where I'm coming from? This is what he's doing with his church. In the midst of a, a, a secular humanistic world, because that's where we're going with education, it's where we're going with politics, it's where we're going with everything. It's where we're going with everything. And in the middle of all of that that's happening, hope is not lost because God has planted his bride and his body right in the middle of all of that. And it is a force to be reckoned with. But we don't determine how that force works. We submit to how it works, how his word says it works, all right? That's church. We don't usually hear it like this. We don't talk about it like this. We just kind of go do this good thing we do and then go on to what we do. But he, he has specific things he's called the body to, right? And either he's Lord or we're Lord. Which one is it? Don't answer the wrong one. Let me drag you out of here. I'm just playing with you. All right. We proclaim this truth, and it's not just a lip service. It's not just a lip service. We carry this everywhere we go. We carry it everywhere we go. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was at the, uh, I was out and about. I was with a couple guys from the church, and, um, and so we, we all went by the bar. And so I'm at the bar. I've been to this bar so many times, I'm not a drunkard, so relax. All right, but I'm in the bar, and I know everybody that works there, and I, and, and, and I love the guys in there. None of them are believers. And, um, and I'm always getting opportunities to share the gospel in there. And so um, we were leaving out, of the, we're leaving out of the bar, and I start talking to one of the owners because um, I just, um, he was sick, and he was visibly sick, like something was really wrong. And, and when I noticed that, I was like, bro, what's going on with you? And, and, and so he started to tell me and everything and stuff. And so, man, we, we were able to lay hands and pray for him in the bar. All right? This gospel thing, it goes everywhere you go. It goes everywhere you go. 
It's always it's the truth. It's the light of the world. And it, and it shines out of us. The bar is a great place for me to be because I don't want to get drunk. But I sure, I sure want to see people come to Jesus in there. And, I don't, and they're not coming to church. So I'm going to go where they're at, and we're going to talk, and then I'm going to walk them all the way in here. As long as it takes. As long as it takes. We can go where we want to and go where the Holy Spirit leads you. And if he tells you to get home, then you get home and go. All right? But this is the power of God that works within us. We are his witness. We are his witness. So let me keep it going. Let me tell you what the word says about who you're called to be. And um, as I'm reading this stuff, ask yourself if these things flow out of your heart, if they flow out of your affections for the people in the room with you, if this is not your church, for your church at home, um, the church, your home church, wherever you go, ask if it's a priority to you because this is a priority to God. It's in his word. And I just want to read, I'm, I'm going to go through a couple of pieces of text, right? Romans 12 says this right here. He says, and he's talking to the church. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another with showing honor. This stuff hit me so hard or whatever because I'm not preaching this like get yourself together. This is what God was laying on me as I really, really felt like he was grieved over where, where the church is. This is for us as the image church. This is for our city. This is, for, this is what we're called to be and called to do, right? And I just was reading this and I'm like, we live in this world where we're so cynical, we can't celebrate anybody. Without jealousy, we can't celebrate other people's accomplishments. We don't read that. That's like that's considered corny in this day and age. I get to go serve at the school and serve at a high school and work with so many kids. It grieves my heart to watch how they tear each other down, and they don't know what it's going to do later. Me and my friends did that when we were kids. Everything we said was about tearing each other down, and we thought it was fun. But some of those things stuck. And later on in life, as we're grown men, we don't even see each other anymore. But it's, I know it's because of the hurts of the way we, was, we were just nonchalant thinking it was a game, right? That's become just the position of the world today. And the church is not supposed to be that. We are supposed to be a shining light. We don't roll with the wave. We roll with the king of kings. And we, over, we, we, we tidal wave everything else, every current that goes against God. We're supposed to be something that people go... This is what it is in the world, but it's not like that over there. I don't know what's wrong with them, but they can't seem to stop rejoicing about this God they're talking about and his son Jesus, and they celebrate each other, and they're so happy for each other's accomplishments. And But are we willing to die to ourselves to do that, or is that just too corny for us? Are we willing to, to, to like, what are we trying to protect? What are we trying to protect? What do we have to lose? Do we not want to be made a fool of? Well, the word says you have full assurance in Jesus Christ that you'll never look like a fool because his promises are true, right? It says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. 
Be patient in tribulation. Don't run in tribulation. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, be associate, be, um, but associate with the lowly. You mean associate with the lowly? Hold on. You mean I'm supposed to take, I've worked so hard to get here or whatever? You know, I'm entitled to the upper class, the finer things in life. But I'm supposed to associate with the lowly? That's beneath me. But that's not what the word is saying, right? You see how we've adopted this stinking thinking that the world has? The church is not called to that. God is trying to break down every wall of hostility that the devil is trying to set up to separate mankind. You're always supposed to be the elephant in the room, all right? It says, repay no evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Even in the midst of this type of political climate, you are actually supposed to pursue live, um, being peaceful with everybody to the glory of God. While the world is going crazy and falling to pieces and on Facebook tearing each, one, each other new one, you are supposed to be functioning to the glory of God. It doesn't mean that you're voiceless. It doesn't mean that you are a pushover. But it means that the spirit of God can push you over wherever he wants to because he's your king. That's what it means. So the question is, where does he want to push you? Does he want you to comment back or does he want you to keep it to yourself? Does he want you to go in your room and just pray for that person that's making you mad? How often do we really ask? How often do we really ask, right? For me, the answer is not enough. I'm preaching this to myself. James 1.9 says this. It says, let the lowly brother, Shirky hit this last week, and I thought it was such an amazing text. It says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Right? He's saying if you're, you're rich, by the standards of the world, you get to boast in this fact that you lower yourself before God as a person saved by grace, right? As a sinner, as a person that falls short. Even though the world, when they see you roll up in your ride, they're gonna be like, you are winning, you are getting it. And you say, no, Jesus got it. He got it for me, because I fell short, right? And for the lowly brother who says, life is hard. Life is hard and it's ugly. He gets to rejoice in the eternal promises of God to be a co-heir with him, right? That's why the church is supposed to be a, diverse organism now based on the area it's located maybe it won't be racially diverse but it should be diverse by class or whatever that is but there should be nothing that says we can't quite function together if that is the case that means we are not looking at the cross and what the cross is saying to us all right that we're not looking at the cross and we're undermining what God is doing this is a beautiful this this is a beautiful this is his love to us I'm not saying this to spank anybody. This is, he, he loves us. He loves us. You know, I just think about it like this right here. When I think about 
Every parent grieves when they see their kids not doing what they want them to do. It just hurts. It just hurts. You're just like, man, come on, get it together. I know kids, I have, I have people in my family. I have people in my family, like my, my, I, have, I have a cousin, and he's just messing up. And he doesn't even know, like he's like, man, I'm trying to get my car, this and that together, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he doesn't even know he got cars and all type of stuff waiting on him. But he can't be trusted with it. You get where I'm coming from? Like, like his, his family is actually waiting to lavish him with gifts, and he's standing on the outside of the family trying to get to him and can't get to him. Do you get where I'm coming from? But I'm not talking about materialistic things. I'm talking about the fact that Jesus Christ has paid for this in blood, and God has nothing but good for us. That's why I could preach this. That's why it's not a me whipping you into shape. This is good news of God about his church and how he loves his church and how move and function in this because this is how I'm glorified and now I'm going to do an amazing thing even in this dark crazy climate I will shine through you but get in place get in place it's the best place for you to be I died for you to be in this place so don't say I'm a part of the family and kind of stand on the side of it I'm gonna keep on moving Colossians 3, 12 says this, put on then, listen to what he's telling us, put on this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. He bases everything on this work on the cross, all right? You forgive because you've been forgiven. You say somebody's a dirty snake, you are 10 times more of a dirty snake, and he still died for you. And in that, he's empowering us to lavish people with forgiveness, even when they don't deserve it, right, by our standards. But by his standard, we can't even pull that card, so put it back up. And it says, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. You can let the peace of Christ rule in your heart because he has promised that he would never leave us or forsake us, all right? Nobody's going to play you like a sucker. Do you understand? Even if they have evil intentions, the joke will always be on them because our Father has all authority, wants good for us, and he rules and he reigns. And that's just that. Do we believe that he's that? That's what the question is. I'm going to jump through this for time's sake. So I'm going to ask you this question. Where are you called to be? Or, should I, or, or, or let me say this. Where are you called to die to yourself at? Like, where has God called you? Is this your church? Is it your church? And are you called to be fully committed and are you called to steward the things we just talked about? This doesn't, the answer doesn't have to be, yes, this is my church. Perhaps it's not. And that's completely fine. But I'm just saying, I know that God has things for this church that we're called to do. A community we're called to serve, right? And as your pastor, I'm all the way in. I'm not looking to go do anything else. I'm not, and that's not, a, 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 that's not my righteousness. That's what God is just simply doing. I know that this is my post. So a lot of times y'all call me and you say, man, I'm, I know you get a million calls. I don't mind getting a million calls because I'm not supposed to be nowhere on earth. 
I'm not supposed to be on a yacht chilling somewhere. I'm not supposed to be at the game right now. I'm supposed to be standing right here. Of all the places on this whole earth, I'm supposed to be right here talking to y'all. So it's the best place for me to be at. And I rejoice in that, right? But it's something for me to carry. It's what I'm, I'm called to carry. But, but as members of the church, we're called to all carry something, right? He's my father too. He's your father too. We're all called to a new responsibility that he has in his word for us to move in. Now, it'd be one thing if you were not a believer and I was saying, hey, this is what you need to do to get right. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm talking to people who say that they are blood-bought followers of Jesus Christ and have been saved by his grace and his mercy. Because our next step, when we receive such a thing, we go, Daddy, what do you want us to do? Point. Where are we going? Because he talks about us dying to ourself, right, to follow him. So the conversation is not about, yo, God, thank you, Lord. And I'm going to tell you this. I honestly thought this when I, first, when I first became a believer, or maybe I didn't become a believer, whatever the case was, I was like, as soon as I hit that altar, I was like, oh, my God, we about to get rich. We are about to get the paper. <laughs> I was like, I knew he wanted to make me a millionaire. Now I finally submitted, and we about to get the cash money. No joke. I seriously thought that he died so he could bless all of my business ventures. I'm going to be serious. It sounds crazy, but there's a lot of people that feel that way. But in his mercy and grace, he did this type of work where everything I was chasing, he made me lay it down right at his, at his feet, right at his feet right at his feet. I had it all wrong. He, he had every right to crush me right there on the spot and still in his mercy and grace. He's like, all right, we're going to see what this is about. And the more he revealed himself, everything I was trying to hold on and get started loosening up out of my hands. We live to preach Jesus, the gospel. That, that's, that's it. It's the only thing worth talking about. Because outside of them, I wouldn't be here. My family wouldn't be here. And I don't even want to think about the horror of where I would be at outside of Jesus. And all of us, that's the same for all of us. We did not save ourselves. So I'm asking you this right here. I'm going to say it like this. A.W. Tozer says this. Most Christians don't hear, don't hear God's voice because we've already decided we aren't, go we aren't going to do what he says. We've already decided. So I'm asking you, I'm asking you, what is God calling you to? What is he calling you to? What has he called you to? All right? What has he called you to? I'm asking this question because everybody thinks it's okay to church shop for like two, three, four years. But like when do you jump all the way in? I don't know when your time is. I'm not looking to condemn you. But if it falls on you and the spirit is dealing with you, then let it do what it does. But like, when do you jump all the way in? And here's the thing. We go around and we shop based off our preferences. If that is, if that's biblical, then a church plant like this doesn't stand a chance. It doesn't stand a chance because I'm, I don't know no church plant that starts and isn't a mess trying to work through and get it together and has all type of crazy stuff. I've met with two pastors this week playing churches and they are ready to give up. And I met with them just to encourage them to keep going. And guess what? I don't even think they're the problem. The problem is that they're sitting in a church full of people going, man, this isn't like this and this isn't like that. No church is like this or like that. 
Huh? The question is, where do you want us at, Lord? Where am I called to be? Because no matter where he calls you to be, you are walking in on a work that is in progress, and God is, in his faithfulness, is sanctifying. So where we're at today, we won't be tomorrow. The things that's missing today, they won't be missing tomorrow, right? We're walking in on a, a process, a process. So the question is only, God, where am I called to be? It's not... It didn't hit my shopping list here. It didn't hit my shopping list there. It didn't hit my shopping list here. Let me tell you something. I sat inside of a church for years. I sat inside of a church for years. And, I, and, and, and in the church, if you ask me, I, I, I experienced racism. I experienced all type of classism, everything, and it grieved my heart for years. And I kept asking God, I think it's time to go. And I swear to you, I believe, like, I never felt released to go. I never felt released to go. And I served in kids' ministry. I served in, in teens. I served everywhere. But I simply didn't believe God told me to go. And then he told me to go. And when he told me, he told my wife also. He confirmed it and we left, right? When Pastor Matt was here, Pastor Matt asked me for years, yo, Jay, come join the church. I thought Matt was crazy as a bat. All right, I'm going to keep it real. I thought he's crazy as I don't know what. And I was like, no way, I'm not going with you. And nope, and I'm sizing him up and I'm doing all this stuff and I'm judging him and everything else. And the fact of the matter is, God spoke to my wife in a dream one night. And she woke up in the middle of the night and she doesn't dream. And she tapped me and she said, Jay, she said, I had this dream. That guy you've been meeting with, God in the dream said to follow him. And he said, you aren't going to agree with a whole lot of stuff he's saying, but go with him and just trust God. He didn't, he didn't meet my list for me to be obedient. We heard God speak and say, go do something. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, what I'm trying to tell you is that it is not about your preferences. It is about what is God saying to you? And are you willing to trust God? Not your pastor, not your leadership, not the people around you, not the ministries you see, but are you willing to trust God and ask him that question? God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to serve at? It, 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 it seems like a simple enough question, but it's not that easy, right? Because we don't do it very often. I'm going to leave us right there with just a couple things, right? I, I think I say this all the time. I say this all the time. I, um, this, this text right here is something that I, me personally, I know I have to go back and lay on it, right? I have to lay on it. I've asked you a whole bunch of questions. I've painted a picture of a whole bunch of things, but I'm, I'm painting to you what God is hitting me with. It's the same questions he's asking me. Like, will you lay your life down for this? Like, will you, will you lead my people? Will you pray for them? And I, and, and, and I just know that there is so much amazing stuff God has waiting for this church and that he's called us to, that he's called us to. And the thing is, I'm, I'm praying that God is doing a work in people's heart where they're like, I'm all the way in. I'm all the way in. I'm all the way in because it's a good thing for us. It's a good thing. The best place, the safest place is in God's arms. It's as, it's as simple as that. 
There, there, anything else is a lie. If anything else is standing in front of us begging for our affection and, and, and attention and saying that it can love us better than God, saying that it could provide for us better than God, it's not the truth. It's not the truth. All power has been given to his son, Jesus. It's been given to his son, Jesus, and he is faithful, and he has put his blood on the line that we would be reconciled to God. And so he, he, he tells us inside of Luke, he says, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But if you will lose your life, you'll save it. You'll save it, all right? This, we're not going to run outside of the church and, and, and say we're living a life unto God, right? And, and, and jump over the fact that God is actually has his eyes gazed on the body. He's doing a work inside of the body. He's working through our afflictions and our attitudes and our racism and our elitism. He's doing it all inside of the church and the body, right? So he is faithful to us. And then he sends us out as we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. But where do your kids learn to be generous and kind at? Do they learn it at school? They don't learn it at school. They learn it at home, right? Because that's where all your attention is at. So this is God's body, and he's committed to us. He's a good father, all right? He's a good father. He's committed to us, and he sends us out to preach the gospel. That's the commission. But then here's the thing. I'm just asking you to ask, and I'm just going to leave you with this, because next week I'm going to be talking about um, some of the vision and some of the stuff that God has for us. We're going to be having our friends day and we're going to be barbecuing and doing all that good stuff. But I really want you to consider this week. I want you to take and ask, God, is this where you've called me to be? Is this, is, what, is this what you want me to do? And even if it's not here at this church, I want you to consider this text and what it looks like to be joined to the body for real. Where you're not spending all your time talking about the person getting on your nerves next to you, but you but you're praying for them, right? That you're praying for them. You're wearing the burden of people struggling in the church with you. Like, this doesn't just happen. We don't just pay bills. The AC just don't turn on. It takes stewardship. It takes us stewarding it, and it takes, we do this because when y'all give, we're able to do what we do. But we have a commitment to the body, and I'm just asking for you to really evaluate where you're at, and will you ask that question, God, am I called? And then lean into these things that he describes what being called looks like, all right? You're safe. You're safe because God is king of kings. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. So I just want to tell you that today.